0: Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this Sunday evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael And Mike, I guess it was too much to ask the Islanders to beat three pretty good teams in the same week. Uh, because it didn't happen anyway they got one win out of it that was really satisfying we'll talk about it in a few minutes Uh, but overall this week uh, didn't really go the islanders way and it is definitely going to shade the next three weeks in a way that I don't think we want it to be shaded unfortunately
1: yeah it's a, a sad but familiar feeling when uh, you, th- you think back to you know most seasons of my life and a lot of in you know, your your life and people listening uh at least their past 30 years or so where uh you gotta kind of disconnect yourself from the team for the next few weeks and focus on the task at hand which immediately becomes i guess hope to god that the the nightmare doesn't happen that this season truly doesn't become that horrible nightmare with you know either the rangers or um uh, you know for me i know i know some people aren't as anti-leafs as as we are here but um yeah that that neither one of those two teams goes on a run um because it's uh kind of just a part of being an islander fan and i get accused of it a lot i've been okay with being accused of it because it's sometimes i think it's true and uh that sometimes i root harder against the rangers and leafs than i do root for the islanders um i i would i would say the past couple of seasons have probably taught me that that is Untr- that's false. And, and I do root harder for the Islanders than the other two teams. But um, in a, in a situation like this, it's definitely true where you the, the spite comes out. Uh, it it kind of tr- spite Trump's love. Uh, so yeah, this, that's my focus in the next couple of weeks is just trying to figure out how these teams are, you know, just going to hopefully get bounced in the first round and and pray that their matchups are, bad and the islanders beating the hurricanes in a weird way the islanders doing everything they can to help the rangers win the division will be a good thing um i think (laughs) because the capitals and penguins are the two teams that are uh probably softest opponents for them and uh if they win the division you know hats off to the nhl for 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 switching that playoff format a couple years ago almost Mm -hmm. a decade ago now play an 82 game season win your division and you're going to have to either play. The, the two-time defending champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, or the Boston Bruins, they just a perennial contender. So uh, to the folks who say the regular season doesn't matter, feather in your cap.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I've thought the same thing. And in fact, uh, I had the, uh, the Penguins-Caps game on Saturday on TV. And I was telling my wife, you know, I, the, one of the, the sickest things about this season is I found myself rooting for the Penguins a lot because their first round matchup might be the Rangers and in fact was rooting for them in that game too because they were playing the Caps and I was hoping that they would help out the Islanders of course the Penguins being the Penguins they're not in the business of helping the Islanders and they haven't been since 1972 so uh it didn't go the Islanders way but yeah no I feel we're going to talk a lot in the second half about that that situation and this sort of zombie three weeks that are, are ahead of us unfortunately um but uh yeah it's it's you know a week ago, we sat here and we talked. The Islanders had come off a really great week, and we talked about all the kind of things that would need to break their way in order for them to gain some real ground on the Caps. And that just didn't happen this week. Uh, they lost to Dallas. They beat Carolina, which, again, in a, in a funny way, really helped the Rangers out. Uh, and then they lost to St. Louis the next night on a back to back, which was really, really hard. They had to do without Casey Sizikas, who was suspended for a game for boarding. Um, and it, it was rough and, and, you know, just in looking, I want to lump the the stars game and the blues game together because they kind of were similar a little bit. Um, although the scores were very different, they lost three, two to Dallas and they lost six, one to St. Louis, you know, that in both cases, they were both kind of like throwbacks to the earlier part of the season where the Islanders didn't play too poorly. I mean, they, they had some good moments and, and in fact, whole good periods, but every mistake ended up in the back of their net and the other teams were aggressive and forcing them into mistakes and making their defense look slow and disorganized. And then, you know, that one mistake becomes this sort of insurmountable thing when you don't have guys that can kind of just create goals in the way that other teams can. And in the, in the case of the Stars game, um, they ended up going down 2-0 in the first period, Marion Stude I love Stud by the way. He Used to be a devil. If that name is rings a bell, I believe he is Czech. But his last name, Stud sounds like what an Italian teacher says to get the kids' attention. Hey, Stud I just <laughs> find that kind of funny. <laughs> I have yet to find a way to like put that in writing to put it on Twitter, so I have to say it here, but I'm glad I can. Unfortunately, it's because he scored a goal against the Islanders. It was his first second. It was the second goal of the season, I think, and his first with Dallas. And then um uh there was a they tried to you know, challenge for uh goalie interference didn't happen because of course, why would it, um, Peugeot tied the game, but, uh, then Tyler Sagan kind of deflected it with 47 seconds left. And again, it's like a throwback to that, that first part of the year where like, you know, okay, we've, we've equalized the game. They're, they're playing okay. They, they got everything straightened out. Yeah. They were, they were kind of in the weeds a little bit, but everything evened out by the end of the period. And then, Oh, now Dallas is up two one. And that was pretty much, you know, how that period went um, Brock Nelson tied it again uh, with a wrister on the opening shift of the second period. Uh, and then uh, Radic Faxa scored a shorthanded goal and it was a, a terrible PP. Uh, it was all very completely discombobulated. They never, even when they got the puck back, they just didn't do anything with it. And you know, the Islanders only had one shot through like 18 minutes of that period. And it was just like, Dude, what are we doing out here? Like what, what is even happening? And it's just like, I get that, you know, they don't have a lot of offensive stars, but man, you guys got to create something somehow, some way. And that shorthanded goal ended up being the, the the game-winning goal. And I mean, they pressed in the third, Chara hit a post, Barzell, I don't know, I still don't even know what happened. He had a he had an open net and I think guess Jake Ottinger maybe got it with the knob of his stick or off his shoulder or something. I don't even, his back, who the hell knows what happened? It just didn't go in. And it was just that kind of night and that was it. And, you know, Varlamov made 37 saves in that game. He was pretty good, but... Shots were 40 to 21 Dallas. Dobson was great. But overall, it was just a very kind of the kind of slow, sloppy, and really generally stupid game that we've seen an awful lot of this season. And it was not was not something I really wanted to see. Again, we've we've gone weeks without seeing it like that, but just just wasn't in the cards for them that game. And, you know, whatever whatever few minutes they had of competency just weren't enough to kind of overcome a good Dallas team playing for their playoff lives trying to hold off vegas and that was the end of that yeah i think um, another reason to lump those two games together and is is that the islanders were in
1: really tough scheduling spots for both of them yes and that's kind of been a a theme here during this run um yeah i think what what we're going to learn is when people are are releasing their obituaries for this season for the islanders (laughs) is just how much how in the weeds they they get and you know, the, the top level will be, we'll just say the Islanders were disappointing. They're old, they're slow, whatever. Uh, the next level people will say, well, they had the bad COVID outbreaks and oh. the, uh, the 13 game road trip to start the season and just never got their season started. And the next level people will be, will be like, we'll, we'll point to the breaks. Like the one, that one you just touched on with Ottinger. I think it hit the back of his stick that was behind him. That's I've never seen it. Right. never yeah. seen it before. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I've seen we've seen plenty of you know goalies make saves. Uh, you know, it, it, that Malcolm Subban save for the Sabers comes to mind, where he like puts his glove behind right. his own back <laughs> to make the save. This one was was his stick was just there, and Barzell one out of a hundred chance hits the stick, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so, so the people will, who who have been watching the Islanders, I'm sure, will be able to point to to things like that. And um, but the scheduling spot was tough, and that's if you look over there the stretch that they've on, which has been generally impressive. The, the most of their losses have just come kind of at the end of, uh, you know, tight squeezes. They just played 17 games in March, which is the most they they have ever played in a month in, and in, in their history. And, uh, you know, they lost to the flyers on a back to back in a game mm-hmm. that didn't show up. They, this Dallas stars game was there a uh, fourth and six nights after playing, the blue jackets rangers back to back were off then they played the devils and then they flew to dallas for that game and then had to get on a plane and fly to carolina and then they lose to the blues and what has to be the first ever occasion where an nhl team played carolina and then flew to st louis in a back-to-back the old carolina the raleigh st louis (laughs) two-step um and we know what's going on what what has happened with the schedule and everyone uh is going to be playing kind of weird <clears throat> excuse me everyone's gonna be playing kind of weird schedules because of what happened with covid but uh because the islanders didn't have their games canceled in the mm. in like the crux of their covid outbreak uh i think there's got even you know more screwed up uh if that makes sense but so i think that's what's going to come down to is a lot of people will, will will point to different things and every part of it will be true like they they were equally parts underwhelming unlucky and just plain old cursed uh, for the season. But the, I guess the, the silver linings from this week are that we've seen JG Peugeot now has an outside chance of being a 20-goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Palmieri is playing well again, uh, or has continued to play well. Ilya Sorokin was terrific against Carolina. Yeah. Like you said, Varlamov was really good against Dallas. Uh, and it's just – so the a couple of key pieces for next year – are showing pretty well, which I think takes some of the pressure off of uh, Lamarillo in the summer to to completely overhaul the team. And look, Grant Hutton seems fine as, as as a potential seven defenseman going forward. And, and of course, it's definitely telling that uh, in in a week where Szezikas was suspended, Cal Clutterbuck's been out of the lineup, Scott Mayfield's been out of the lineup, Ajo, and Kiefer Bellows can't get in. <laughs> uh, so, like, there's definitely some things to I guess read into for next year. Yeah. Uh that yeah, they flew the team flew Andy Andrioff to fill in for Sizik. I mean, I know I know it's a center role, so he's got to play center. Um but still you couldn't put him in you put him in for Johnston easily right. too and and then put Andrioff in and then Andrioff flew back to Bridgeport for the game today. Right. So uh and he scored a goal. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. He does he did the old St. Louis Lehigh Valley uh, two step. <laughs> but um yeah, so there's definitely some 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 things that we've seen over the past week that will give us some idea of the plan going forward uh for next year but there there was i guess enough of a silver lining to not be like completely uh
0: disheartened by the week i guess yeah um yeah yeah there was some some good stuff to be seen even in that game against st louis which they lost six to one uh yes yeah, azikas was was out with this one game suspension andy andreoff was in i was shocked because i thought for sure that J.G. Paggio would just get double shifted at center, with the, especially the way he's playing, but uh, they're bringing Andre off in, and you know, it was 2-0 St. Louis in the first period. Nick Letty, of course, had to score um, on a great feed from Robert Thomas, and then Tarasenko picked up his own rebound on a save from Varlamov, but even still, like, it didn't feel like the game was kind of out of hand at that point. And, and it's actually, actually funny if you go to natural stat trick and you look at the underlying numbers for this game, it's surprisingly close. Like you would think, you know, the blues won six to one. They probably just dismantled the Islanders, but like underlying wise, that was not the case. Uh, each team had 20 had, uh, had, uh, 31 shots on goal. Each goalie made. Oh no, I guess for, for made 25 saves, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the high nature chances were actually within one of each other. The 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 Islanders, uh, you know, their little blue blob was a little bit darker <laughs> than the, the blues were. But, you know, 6-1 is 6-1. And so yeah. the wheels really came off in the second period. Justin Falk, of all people, had two goals. Uh, he batted one of them out of the air, for God's sakes. And then uh, Ivan the Barber Barbashev uh, after uh, Varlamov made a stop. And this is, again, this is like, again, that cursed – <laughs> the cursed season, this happens. Jordan Kairou is on a breakaway, right? This guy was at the All-Star game. Like, he was really good. And the he makes the move on Varlamov, and the puck actually squirts sort of along the goal line. I guess oh, Varlamov God. got kind of enough of it to kind of direct it outside the goal and just along the goal line. But Barbashev is there, and he just literally just skates into it and knocks it in. And that made it, uh, you know, 4 nothing at that – excuse me, 5 nothing at that point. Grant Hunton, who you just talked about, he scored – Uh, on a slap shot i thought it was lee's but lee was in front but it was huttons apparently Uh, and then immediately right after (laughs) robert thomas scored so like you know you thought all right five one yeah big deal maybe they get another one here you know at the end of the period but nope the blues got another one and that's how it ended and i guess the blues were just on cruise control barry trotz said that you know their first period he thought was okay and then that they just kind of weren't winning puck battles they were they're soft on the walls as he said um he said they were brain dead at one point which (laughs) got cut out of the islanders uh website version um but like again it's just funny that if you look at the underlying numbers you would not think that this game ended 6-1 but it did because every mistake the islanders made ended up in the back of their net and credit the blues for pressing and creating those mistakes it's not like they just you know gave the game away but uh you know I, i just it's one of those that's we've again we've seen too many of it's just a good team oh by the way these are also two good teams that the islanders didn't beat as we've seen many times this season two and it's just you know it was a it was a back-to-back for the blues too so but they're at home which i guess probably doesn't much matter um and it was just it was just a demoralizing terrible wait to spend a saturday night i'm sorry for everybody that that spent that time i watched only the second period i was at my daughter's (laughs) middle school play for the first period it was six one at the end of the second one and i was like you know what it's been a long day and i don't want to watch the rest of this i just turned it off and that's how it ended um yeah but uh you know again varlamov was pretty good in that game but what are you gonna do got hung out to dry against a good team you know so what are you gonna do
1: yeah they 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 had a couple really good scoring chances early in the game um bennington made a ridiculous save on who's
0: been bad this season, was actually very good in that game. Yeah. I,
1: I, I think the first six minutes of the game, the Islanders could have been up two or three. Uh, and, and then when they weren't, you knew what was going to happen. And uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting broadcast because uh, it was Alan Fearing <laughs> yeah. uh, calling the game to play by play. And he's he's great. You know, true pro. Um, and then you had AJ Raddick, who if there's one lesson to be learned from this whole season uh, in terms of broadcasts and and the nhl nhl games as as a product an entertainment product it's i think we should just let people who are uh on the path or are professional broadcasters just be the be the play-by-play and color people right because ej in a in a similar vein to i guess uh the nowhere near as as, as bad as we've seen from from the likes of john bucci gross this mm. this season or um Leah Hextall, but because they're play by play, but but EJ EJ kind of called the game as if uh, he he was I guess like watching it at a bar with your friend, just be (laughs) like oh wow like that was a good chance like he's not on top of the action he's just much more reacting to it than yeah kind of adding so he
0: does a lot of describing yeah hopefully we just saw
1: (laughs) hopefully going going forward uh, the ESPN and the NHL. I mean I don't know if ESPN has probably been paying attention to any of their broadcasts cuz mm. they probably just like let's just buy the rights and it will just kind of set set the course to to north towards the north star and we'll mm-hmm. check in in 6 years when when we need to re up or not <laughs> um and you just we just I just hope that we start to see less and less of uh the N- NHL tonight or you know on the fly crew NHL network on the fly crew is uh getting these Islander games but um, I think they're there because you know, obviously Butch Goring is has been in and out of the lineup himself with with the health issues. So we we do miss Butchy and, and and for for all Butches, um, you know Butchisms. Uh, <laughs> he's he's a he's a joy to listen to in in, in the booth. I think I, I get such a kick out of him hmm. because he, I know I'm not going to hear the the most mind blowing X's and O talk out of uh, Butch Goring, uh, but that's not what i'm there for and i'm and i'm I'm there for his kind of you know shtick where i'm not here for the uh i don't i'm not a fan of the the uh unpolished i guess you can call it booth people who are trying to develop their own shtick in a in a one-off which which just doesn't work um and then we had joe micheletti for the the hurricanes game which was it's just whenever he's like the fill in it's been a couple times this season now I don't know if other people do feel this way, but I just feel so I feel it feels wrong. <laughs> like you left us, man. Like you, you, yeah. you took the you took the bigger you you, you got promoted, I'm sure, is, is the way it was viewed uh, going from the, the Islander broadcast to the to the Rangers and not not sitting in production meetings in, in a closet in Nassau Coliseum. And instead going to, <laughs> the, you know, these these ornate studios at MSG. Uh, you you chose that path and and you can't just you know parachute in and and not have people upset. So uh, I don't I I don't think I enjoy those either. So I guess it's, you know it's 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 a little hypocritical because I'm saying look I want a professional in the booth but
0: not that one. <laughs> I wonder how many people and this is obviously like MSG would know this and they're not telling anybody. But like I wonder how many people were even watching that game that even know that Joe because I think I was I agree with you because I mean I remember when when Micheletti called Islanders games very vividly back when with during the Howie Rose days but I wonder how many other people are watching this and remembering that and I wonder how many dads are like you know this guy used to do Islanders games and then he left for the Rangers and so I don't want to hear him on my damn team you know and yeah. the kids are probably like, yeah okay dad whatever you know but like uh <laughs> I know for it's, me it's, I feel the same way it just feels weird you
1: know it, I mean the- there's some great like dadisms with watching sports. Like uh, there's this new thing in the MLB now with uh, the pitch com where you can call the pitch from your wristband and like buzzes the pitcher to tell him what what pitch to throw. And that that's just gonna not gonna go over well with the dads. No, but um, the the Micheletti thing I think is a little a li- like I I don't I don't disagree with the dads out there who who are getting irate about you, you would say irrationally upset about it because it just like it does feel wrong and, and you you can and, I'm, and i know that there's like you said like there's logistics with with msg and i'm sure they have to have they don't want to pay like a, a an independent contractor if they don't have to and if they can right. get Micheletti to do it um they'll they'll do that to save some save some money i'm sure and but uh it just yeah it doesn't feel right because like mick to me Micheletti was when when he was calling islander games and, and it was during that era of the uh you know the ashen years where they were making the playoffs and I thought he 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 kind of became you sort of what Butch is a little bit like not as much of a Homer, but he was a Homer I thought, and and then he he immediately became because and when you are sitting next to Sam Rosen, it's you gotta like almost <laughs> dial up your right your shtick level to seven thousand because him, he's yeah. he's just the Mister Shtick, hmm. um, and he's also obviously yeah he. You can't blame him because you don't i I don't know how I would call a Rangers game if I knew James Dolan was down the hall and <laughs> if I said that uh Dan Blackburn should have saved some should have saved it uh and, and he didn't and I wouldn't want James Dolan knocking on my door but uh but Micheletti since going to the Rangers I feel like has just become this whole different level of uh of Homer even because even when he calls the national games and the Rangers are playing him uh he's he's like God, if I had to hear that guy talk about how great Derek Stepan is in the faceoff circle on big faceoffs, even though he's 22 years old, or oh look how much Tom Remy Remy trusts Derek Stepan, he's out there for the last one of the last shifts of the game, two minutes left against the Capitals, and he's out there. Yeah, chill, Joe. Like you were were telling us how great Trent Hunter was two months ago. So let's 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 dial it back. We know who you
0: are. Um, But it's a little much. Yeah,
1: I don't forgive him. Is what I'm trying to say.
0: He is a he is a little effusive, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um and, and also again, I, I much like EJ, like he just kind of very is reactive to like and the puck squirts right to him and he scores. Yeah, I know, Joe. I saw that. Like I just <laughs> it's really you now. I'm looking for something a little bit different here. And of course, you know, here we are. We would take Butch any day, and I'm sure there are people that Yeah, you know, the Athletic actually Sean Shapiro at the Athletic sent out his thing for like ranking of the NHL broadcasters and the Islanders usually do pretty high, but it's usually like, Yeah, Brendan's great, but Butch Eh, you know but we love butch so we'll, we'll take yeah. it but yeah joe it's it's a, it's hard
1: well yeah. it, it depends on what you want on your broadcast like if, if, if butch butch harkens back to the d- the days of you know the 70s or 80s or early 90s b- broadcasts where these guys were entertainers first like right. like stan like stan Fischler yeah. wouldn't ha- <laughs> i don't think he would get a, a a callback in in this day and age it's <laughs> it's and when i i mean this as a compliment when I say like Butch and Stan um, and guys like that, there's there's a few around the league still that, that they're very, um you know, slap shot, very minor league. Like it's, mm. it's in a good way. Like they're um they have like some kitsch to them. They have a funny personality and they add to the broadcast with their whim. Whereas like you can either be like a, a complete robot now and then just talk about, you know, the X's and O's and you're going to turn off, one part of the audience, or you can be, uh, you know, the I guess the the Micheletti or DJ uh, Raddick types that just I just I just don't think do a, a great job. But um, and you, and you're turning off, you know, a different part of the audience. But with w- when you're very honest about what you're going to be, which I think Stan and Butch are, like they're not they're not getting into the booth and saying like like I'm going to break down why the Carolina Hurricanes power play is so good, and, and I'm going to show you with these gifts or blobs or whatever people use these days hexagons and uh, you're not they they, they're they're pretty upfront with you're just gonna get you know a hilarious phrase that was all the rage back in 1937 or (laughs) 1976 in western canada and you're gonna laugh about that you're gonna hear me mispronounce a bunch of names but yes like it's it's okay like because and a lot of it is because like brendan burke for, you know, his uh, I don't know if, if I guess his e- for all his ego, like he he's really good at calling a game, but a uh, play-by-play.
0: Yeah, uh, my thing with Butch before we move, we move on is that like he makes fun of himself for being a Homer. People call himself call him a Homer, but I'll be honest, I've listened to other people around the league, and I don't think Butch is anywhere even almost close to being one of the biggest homers in the league. I'm sorry. I think, I think Micheletti's worse. I think Jack Edwards and Andy Brickley are both worse than, and I don't even mind those two guys. I think they're okay, but I don't think Butch is that much. If if an Islander makes a dumb play and takes a penalty at a bad time, he's going to say it. He's going to say, now that's not a good penalty right there. Actually, my my favorite Butch thing is when he's like, no, I don't, I just didn't see a penalty there, Brendan. And then they'll show the replay and (laughs) they will be like, yeah, yeah, it's a good penalty. The stick comes up and gets. (laughs) Or, or when
1: there's like a, kind of like a, a newish rule where mm. he he doesn't know it and brendan is the one who like t- explains it to him he's like yeah well like you know they did change that or there's like been right. a crackdown or an emphasis on on that kind of play and then butch goes oh all i know is that you know billy smith if if, if right. this was billy smith's day like he would be two-handing somebody in the back of the head right now and and then it's like 30 or not 30 right. but like three seconds of dead air and then you just hear right. brendan pick it up he's like and mayfield breaks it out to right. andre <laughs> and the islanders are into the zone and it's just it's it's right. But it's, it's what, you know, it's what the booth is. It's not trying to be what it's not, which is, I I appreciate. Mm -hmm. Um, And it would, it would get annoying if, if, if Butch tried to do, you know, the other thing and um, same way as it would be super annoying if, if you had someone like Ray Ferrar who's, who's really, really good at, 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 uh, you know, being a, 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 an analyst more than a color commentator um, that if he tried to do the kind of Butch stuff. but you know that's what it is. It's it's he's he's a color commentator in in Butch and the stands of the world and the Andy Brickley's like you said I think Edwards and Brickley. I love listening to them. I love tuning <laughs> into Bruins games and listening. They're outrageous. And yeah. but Brickley adds color to the commentary, which is
0: his job. Right. Uh Ferraro is pretty good at peppering that stuff in and it always comes back to the Islanders, which is nice. Yeah. Uh but I am I am convinced that one day Butch is going to be like uh well you know Brendan, I saw Billy Smith kill a prospect once in training camp and I helped him uh, bury the body behind <laughs> iceworks. <laughs> and then Brandon would just be like, uh, yeah, okay, Butch. And then it was my next thing. So uh, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's there's lots of different flavors again, but Butch is our flavor. He's not everybody's flavor, oh, but uh, I, I definitely would take him over Joe McLady. I don't know how we got on this subject, but I think it's probably best if we Park it right here for a second. We'll come back after the break. We'll talk about the good game that the Islanders had this week uh, and focus in on that and uh, talk about what the next three weeks are going to be like and uh, either make them a little bit easier to handle or uh, maybe make them worse for you. I don't know. We'll find out uh, after the break.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching.
0: And now a word from our sponsors. First, as always, VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Vintage Ice Hockey also carries our Al Arbor T-shirt. and Our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. Use the code Long Island, all one word, uh, at the checkout to save 10% off anything in the store right now. So that's the code right now. Long Island, one word, 10% off anything in the store. That is at VintageIceHockey.com. Betway is the official betting partner of the NHL. Play Big Pick for free anywhere in the U.S. or play for real, residents in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Idaho, and Iowa only. Click the link in the podcast description here to join. Must be 21 or over. Terms and conditions apply. Try wines from the Pinot Project. Delicious Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, and Rosé, all under $15 a bottle. Available at your local wine shop and at UBS Arena. Please play and drink responsibly. So, yeah, uh, the Islanders did actually win a game this week. Nothing you could tell from <laughs> the first half of this show. Um, but they won a game 2-1 in Carolina, a place that has been not kind to them over the last uh, however many years. Uh, the start was not good, but Elias Sorokin, back from his upper body injury, was very good. In fact, he was awesome <laughs> in that game. Um, you know, it was, I would say, in the Hurricanes' favor a little bit. But, you know, the Islanders did have a couple of chances in that first period. Uh the second period was mostly Islanders, though. And in fact, they they outshot the Hurricanes eight to one in that game. Very low shooting, very low shots on goal for the game. It was only 19 shots apiece. And it kind of cracked me up when I saw that because I'm like, I thought this was the volume shooting hurricanes, who were, you know, hockey Twitter's favorite team because they just poured on the shots from all over the place. I guess because they clinched a playoff earlier playoff spot earlier this week, uh, they didn't need to shoot from anywhere. But anyway, it was only 19 shots. The reality, of course, is that. They don't need to shoot from everywhere because they're pretty good and they don't like to give up a lot of shots. So it ends up being 19 apiece. But uh, JG uh scored to make a 1-0 Islanders. He, uh, he just set himself up in the slot. Matt Martin hit him with a beautiful pass and he didn't waste any time and he got it right on net past Freddie Anderson. I have no idea what Matt Martin was doing out there with Palmieri and Pajot, but it worked. And uh, the Islanders took a 1-0 lead and then they end up taking that 1-0 lead somehow all the way to the end of the third period with about a minute to go. Hurricanes, I believe, had the goalie pulled. They were really pressing. And again, the, the specter of terrible luck kind of you know made its presence known again. The puck literally squirts straight across Sorokin's crease. He probably made like two or three saves in a row. The puck somehow finds a way through eight different pairs of feet, right onto the stick of Vinny Trochek, who just knocks it into an empty net. And you thought, oh great, here we go. That's the end of that. It was nice while it lasted. But somehow. With 14 seconds to go, Kyle Palmieri just took the tour and ended up wrapping the behind the net, came around. He had Brady Shea all over him, and he just put a nice, nice hard shot, too, past Shea's leg, into the corner, past Anderson, and that was it. The Islanders won. Um, There was a surprisingly good game for the Islanders. They had – they out-danger – out-high-danger-chanced the (laughs) Penguin the Penguins. Let me start that again. They had – 10 high-danger chances for it to the Hurricanes' five, which is pretty impressive. Sorokin and Freddie Anderson both made 19 saves apiece. Uh, They had 21 shots on goal apiece. Uh, And it was a pretty even game against a really good team. And, again, this was cut out of the the, uh, video on the Islanders' site. But uh, Barry Trotz said that after the Hurricanes tied the game, they kind of chirped the Islanders' bench a little bit and the, the guys didn't care for that and Palmer just went out and scored the game winner i mean we don't know what they said we don't know if that was just barry being barry telling telling tall tales or whatever um but uh but that was a fun one and it was a very satisfying win on a friday night against the team leading the uh and the metro division who cares if it helped the rangers get a little closer to winning the division themselves that was fun to see and uh i never want to see the hurricanes again but unfortunately the Islanders are going to have to play them again at UBS before the end of the season. Um, but that was a good one, uh, surprisingly. And that, I think you, you could probably pack that again away with the two games against the Rangers and a couple of other games, the games against the blue jackets that like show that this team does have some life in them and they can show up and, and win some games against, you know, some quality competition every once in a while. Uh, it takes a little bit of luck sometimes. And I don't Kyle Palmer's goal wasn't luck specifically, but uh You know, it helps when sometimes the hockey gods are on your side and it hasn't happened all that much for the Islanders this year. But this one time in Raleigh on a Friday night in April, it was. So I'll take it. (laughs) It's good enough for me.
1: Yeah, it was fun, too, because that game, um, it was kind of the last gasp of meaningful hockey that the Islanders will play. (laughs) Probably. Because of what has happened over the weekend. Uh, But uh, so... It felt like the game had a little bit of jeopardy to it, so Palmieri scoring that goal was great um for that reason. Uh Sorokin again first came back and was really good. He's been dynamite for if you if you think about the season for him, the first two months, uh first two and a half months, fantastic. Then during the middle of uh the season where things really went off the rails with the scheduling and stop start uh with the break and then uh just Varlamov g- getting covid and being out of the lineup for a while uh i think when when th- when things have been kind of on schedule for him uh he's just been terrific so mm. that uh him and Varlamov if assuming Varlamov comes back which i think is pretty safe to assume right away uh, just makes you feel pretty good about where the Islanders are their starting point for next season. Uh, Cause Sorokin he's, he, he looks like he's a s- superstar in the making. And uh, I remember early in the year being preseason or even an episode last season, just talking about how he uh, his like ceiling in terms of a game to game basis is Dominic Hoshik levels to me, like just a guy who, can become the story of a game, night in and night out. uh Every goalie in the league, you know, will we'll, we'll throw in that odd forty-seven save shutout <laughs> here and there. I mean, you, we've seen Andrew Hammond play fantastic against the Islanders in his first game back. But like Sorokin is the type of guy who I think has that in his his locker to to do with you know a dozen times or more in a season. um So he's the best. Love him. Um, really interested to see what happens over the off season with all these Russian players though. Like hmm. I know that's a, a conversation for another time at probably a, a higher level than us, but um, just interesting thing to th- that I've been thinking about, but uh, yeah, he's him and like their secondary scoring showing up with, with the way Palmieri's playing. I mean, his, his Palmieri's game has just been good from goal line to goal line too I think he's just he's been he's shown to be if if you get to uh, if you get to Kyle Palmieri that's been here since he had a kid for the entire <laughs> okay. season next year you're looking at a you know 25 to 30 goal threat right. uh, so that's huge and um, another another thing that like will should take a little his his form should take a little bit of pressure uh off of Lou here in the off season. I, I, obviously they do need to find somebody to, to turn the Barzell to find a connection with Barzell and turn that first line into a dynamic first line. Cause they, they, they certainly have the second and third line with some pop on mm. in the bag already. So uh, that's definitely a case. And I didn't, I, once again, like it's just, it's been a weird stretch for, for Barzell where I think he's been playing really well. But the the counting stats just aren't there, so I'm very interested to see how people sum up his season, mm. um, because I think you can definitely make an argument that he's been unlucky and also underwhelming, like the team. And then the fact that he's been playing this this past month basically with Wallstrom, and Wallstrom hasn't set the world on fire is interesting <laughs> too, because all of a sudden you start to think about his future mm. uh, with the team, and th- the guy riding with them is Zach Priese, who is the only Islander player this season to play all 71 games so far. Jeez. Yeah. I don't even think I knew that. <laughs> yeah. How wow. nuts is that? I just looked that up. Um, I was like, there's no there's no way he, he didn't miss a game because of COVID or something, right? Like, and he, I guess he
0: didn't. Hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. How about that? That's I had insane. no, I mean, I mean, who could have guessed? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad you brought up Barzell because I, I was thinking about him a lot. Uh, somebody had made a comment, I think, in the Dallas game that he was kind of quiet. There have been games when he's been quiet. There have been games when he's been dominant. The games against the devils, for whatever reason, he's dominant. (laughs) Uh, And, and there have been some other games too, where, you know, against games against the Rangers. He always shows up. We talked about, which is, which is great. Um, But there have been a lot of games where, where he's been a little bit quiet, which is a little unfortunate for a guy who is, you know, by skill, but in terms of skill level is clearly the Islanders best player. Um, But One thing that these three games kind of had in common, I thought, is that it showed teams that have offensive chemistry and it showed that the Islanders aren't one of those teams. Like there's there are pairs of guys that play pretty well together. Peugeot and Palmieri are pretty good together. Obviously, the fourth line is good. I thought actually I thought the uh, Sezekis, Martin and Johnston were really, really good against the Hurricanes which was kind of surprising. Again, you know, you think there's older, bigger, slower guys. But I thought they were really good against Carolina. Um, and so those guys have chemistry. And obviously when, when Clutterbuck is back, the, the three of them work really well. Uh, we've seen Nelson and Lee play pretty well together. Uh, I think that that's a, a duo going forward that can, Barry Trotz can just sort of pencil in and stay there. Um, but Barzell doesn't really have that. And I think the common feeling was that they need to get him a shooter that's this is why people wanted to see wallstrom there they you know you could just this guy can just feed wallstrom and you could just score goals at will that would be a great way to do it and that would be great but that's not what's happened wallstrom isn't that guy yet he may never be that guy we don't know like and and you know people talking about him like he's sort of alex Ovechkin automatic is a little bit premature i think the more i think about it i wonder if the guy who because i'm with you i think this summer it's not just about finding. Well, they need a, another left shot defenseman. We all know that. But like, I think finding a guy to play with Barzell is paramount, and I I don't know who that is, but I feel like the guy that they really would would really work well with Barzell isn't so much just a shooter. I think it's another playmaker because I think part of the part of Barzell's problem is like he gets triple teams on every shift, <laughs> and sometimes he's so good that he gets away from that triple team and he can kind of find some air and he, you know, somebody sets a pick or something like that and he can make some space and he can do that kind of stuff that we've seen him do a hundred times. The problem is that doesn't happen that often. And a lot of times it does not turn into a goal. And that's the problem. Like him getting, you know, him getting triple teamed is one problem and he can kind of get his way out of that. Maybe, you know, there's, there's a way to get out of that, but If you had another playmaker on there, they couldn't triple-team Barzell. They would have to worry about that other guy. They would have to worry about him passing to that other guy to make another chance. Or if that guy gets the puck, now you've got to worry about him. And if you leave him, well, now Barzell is open. The more I think about it, I just don't know if a shooter, a guy who's got a good shot, is the right way to go. And obviously, Barry likes to have that sort of corner guy. In this case, you know, Parisi's been pretty good there. Like, I think that's okay. You know, I know his age; he's old enough to be Barzell's, uh, I, don't know, I guess, older brother, not necessarily father. But uh, you know, I just the more I think about it, I'm just I feel bad. Like every time Barzell's out there, he gets triple teamed. He gets you know shadowed by the number one defensive pair, and then you know, a lot of times he he does turn the puck over, which is a problem. He's got to kind of cut that down. But like when he gets open and he gets it to Wallstrom. What happens? And I'm not trying to pin this on Wallstrom. He's just not that guy yet. And I, I don't want people to think that he's going to be that guy, but like maybe he'll never be that guy. I don't think that that chemistry is there. I mean, we've watched how many games have they been together now, like 10, 12 games. Like they've scored like two goals. <laughs> the the, the Barzell Wallstrom connection really hasn't clicked yet. And yeah, maybe it will after training camp, but I don't know. I feel like if there was a guy on that line with similar skills to Barzell, then they would be really hard to stop. You know, they both be, and then they would open each other up and then they can score, you know, they don't have to worry about a shooter, but that's just me. I'm not a coach, Um, but I just, I, I, Barzell is better than this. Like we all know he's, his counting stats are down. Like you said, we know he's better than this, but I feel like he's a guy who's dependent on those other line mates to make those chances that he gets count. And that's the problem. The chances are there. They just aren't going in, and they got to figure out a way to make that happen for him more than twenty times a year because he he, he had they he's their number one guy like that's that's the number one thing and if you could make that line like you said dynamic, this guy's the limit for this team because everybody else will fall into place. So yeah,
1: I, I think that's that's the reason Jordan Everly worked so well with him was that um, Everly is is craftier, uh, much craftier I think than Wallstrom is at this part of his career. And he's someone who can carry the puck, and and uh, with with Lee Lee and Parisi are kind of similar in the way that they are rabble rousers, Uh, uh yeah. really kind of that will just kind of cause the chaos right. when the puck eventually gets to the net or to the corner and and win the battle fifty fifty times more than fifty percent of the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the, the I think Eberly really works so well is because not only was he was he very you know he's a good skater and, and a good puck carrier as well, uh, which meant that you couldn't triple team Barzell, right. uh, because someone else was going to be a facilitator. Uh, that he, he, but he also knew how to um, kind of like make make the right cut um, into the space that Barzell was about to create, not the space that he already created. Because uh, like when Barzell pulls up, you, you know when 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 Barzell's rushing the puck he's he's gonna he's he's got like 800 different things he can do <laughs> because he's just so good at carrying the puck and stick handling and sk- his skating and stopping and edge work it's just you know people in around the league always talk about how it's it's one of the he's the best kind of like all-around skater in the league and he's strong he's strong on the puck and whatever but so when you're when you're the, the kind of trigger man on that line you got to be the guy to know okay if he pulls up here i need to be the guy making this cut through this like bit of space he's about to open up in Wallstrom doesn't do it. Uh, so <laughs> I think, and, and it might just be because he's so focused on, I got to be the safety net. If this puck gets turned over and he wants to mm. be more defensively responsible, who knows? But uh yeah, it c- certainly isn't, it's not working um, to the, because it, it not only does it need to, to like not be a net negative for them. Like they, I don't think they're giving up many scoring chances, uh, but, for them for that line if you're putting your kind of your two of your best four offensive players together on a line they need to be scoring very consistently it's not enough to be a uh you know good play driving line you need to produce and they just haven't yet and mm-hmm. i you know i really am starting to to wonder um because the islanders will will need to make room on the roster at some point uh and you just—I do wonder if 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 Wallstrom, who, like I, I think I've said before, if you know six months ago I would have said completely untouchable, uh, is now someone that the Islanders wouldn't be opposed to uh, moving for uh, an upgrade, an established upgrade, exciting upgrade in in that kind of role, and then kind of shifting a 2 rat to into the the Wallstrom mold of okay, you're the you're the new young forward who's gonna be here and if you turn the puck over the blue line, you're gonna be sitting for a week and everyone's gonna get mad.
0: <laughs> well he's probably gonna be that anyway. And he may yeah. actually be on his way over to uh this last couple of weeks to be that person. But yeah, that that's my thing. I, I think they need to they need to figure out a way to make Barzell more dangerous. And I, I think it's got less to do with him and more to do with, with his
1: line. I, I agree. And and I and I also think that the because of his stats and, and people are going to look at his his production since Trotz came over and the discourse on Barzell is coming because his mm. next contract is coming and right. um after next season and that's when the discard this discourse on every player truly gets nauseating so right just a, a warning to to prepare for that yeah definitely definitely uh
0: let's uh let's prepare uh for the last three weeks of this season before that comes that is another that is a next year problem. But uh, the next three weeks of the Islander season is going to kind of suck. And it's a real shame because, again, like a week ago, we sat here and we talked about, you know, maybe they can make something of this. And I still do feel like the Islanders don't want to be eliminated. Oh, sorry. I You know, I almost forgot. The best thing about Friday night's win in Carolina was that going into that game, had the Hurricanes won both the Leafs and Rangers would have clinched playoff berths. Again, the Hurricanes had clinched their berth the night before. And so the Islanders winning was just a big throbbing FU to both the Leafs and Rangers and Hurricanes. So I loved it. That was great. I had to use uh, uh, the uh, the old coming to America scene from the barbershop. If you know the movie, which you should, uh, you know what I'm talking about. But that was the most satisfying part of the win was like, no, no you're not going to you're not going to clinch on our time you can clinch on your time and the fact that both of them clinched the next night is kind of irrelevant It just it didn't happen on the islanders dime which is what i was hoping for um the uh i do think the islanders are going to try and you know win enough games to to hold off and only be eliminated by the fact that their their uh schedule has run out um but this week is going to be tough they got a Uh, back-to-back against the Penguins, um, or home-and-home, I should say, against the Penguins on Tuesday and Thursday, and then they play the Habs uh, on Friday, uh, and then they have another game uh, against the Hurricanes, I believe, on uh, – no, excuse me, against the Leafs on Sunday at 7.30. So that is not going to be an easy thing. The Penguins are you know, back to kind of their their herky-jerky ways, but they're definitely really good. Uh, They're definitely going to give the Islanders fits. The Habs are what they are at this point. I expect the, the way the season has gone, I expect the Islanders to sweep the two games against the Penguins, and of course lose to the Habs <laughs> on the back to back. That would be the most Islander, the pos- most possible Islanders outcome. Um, but you know, the, the whole thing is that this is not going to be a fun time, and we've been really treated the last three years to ends of seasons that mattered. That you know, they they weren't like trying to just hang on to that eighth seed or claw their way in like they were comfortably in playoff positions before this point of the season, they were going places they were winning consistently and they were just there to get ready for the playoffs this year. They are none of those things and they're not even trying to, you know, make that eight seed. They're just kind of playing out the string and it's like you were saying, it's kind of like harkens back to a time in our youth uh, when this was just the way it was. But the difference between that and this is that those teams really had no no hope for the future. I mean, I guess there was a little, cause there was always a, you know, prospect here or there that you were hoping for. And, you know, maybe they would sign somebody, but you know, it was always like, what's going to happen with the arena who, you know, who's signing the checks. Who's going to want to play here. Why would anybody play here? Who's going to get traded? You know, what's going to happen to them? now. It's sort of like there is hope. And, you know, here we are talking about, well, who can they get to play with their best player? Well, the fact that they have Matt Barzell is already one, one good thing and they need to find some help there. But uh, it's not gonna make this last three weeks any more fun knowing that you know maybe next year they're pretty good but these next three weeks and again in particular in in light of the Rangers and the Leafs and and the penguins and the caps and the hurricanes like a whole bunch of teams that Islanders fans really really hate for a lot of different reasons all you know kind of happily going to the playoffs I mean throw the lightning and Bruins in there too why not uh it's just it's just gonna make it even worse and and honestly I'm still on the fence about even watching the playoffs I might just kind of bail and you know, watch like RuPaul's drag race instead. I don't know. Something, something else other than, than playoff hockey. Cause I, I it's been a long road and a long season. And I, I just think I just might want to take a break. I don't even know, but I have to watch these last three weeks before I can even get to that point.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's not fun. Like the, the, the bad times are back with uh, this time of year. So <laughs> it's, it, it's just, it's such a funny phenomenon of, and something you just really wouldn't understand. Uh, for for most most fans uh, of other teams I'm sure like they're obviously like Canadians fans are sure and uh, then you got like fans of I mean I I can't even think of like another kind of fan base with you know two two bitter bitter rivals like the Islanders and Canadians have they have with you know Boston and Toronto we have with um, the Rangers and Leafs now but uh, it's it's not fun because you, th- you, spend, you know, the odds are obviously in your favor. There's skin, there's 16 teams going to be in the playoffs and 14 of them are not those two teams. <laughs> so, uh, but this whole month, I'll just be convincing myself. There's no way that they'll ever lose. <laughs> and that's how I spent so many springs when Henrik Lundqvist was on the Rangers. And you just like, uh, like, I remember when the Rangers were down three, one, um, in that run, a couple to the, to the Stanley cup. And, they were down three, one to the penguins and just was so sure that they were going to come back and win that series. And uh, I was proven right. And, and then they obviously went on that run. Um, and we, th- we thank Alec Martinez. And of course we thank Adam <laughs> Henrique and they're going to be those kind of players. Like we thank Eunice Carpasalo for, for what he did yeah. in the bubble against the Leafs. We thank, you know, Carrie price and Ben Sherrod and Nick Suzuki for what they did last year to the <laughs> Leafs, which just truly was magnificent. Um, but there's gonna we're gonna need more of those kind of heroes from from a, the enemy of your enemy is your friend kind of deal uh and you know whether it's i don't bring and point for the lightning or you know charlie mcavoy where where the Char- charlie mcavoy viewing party is going to be uh, on long <laughs> island because i'll be there if they're playing the rangers or the leafs and wanting to watch and yeah you know, uh you know I have some bruins gear here because uh my wife is a bruins fan and i'll just find a way to squeeze into it mm-hmm. and uh yeah so it's it's it makes for an like it's it it becomes easier when the playoffs actually start yeah but these next few weeks are just going to be terror and uh, because both teams are in pretty good form right now and you know that these games don't really matter yet Mm. until we get to the playoffs and it it, it, these couple weeks too like it's just the worst part of the regular season because Mm. the the discourse around it's just it's repeated um, right. every mainstream, you know, like thirty-two thoughts is just gonna be about you can can the Leafs win this style of hockey in mm. with this style of hockey in the playoffs? Will Jack Campbell hold up?
0: Can uh, and then Austin for the Rangers, Matthews it's, pass some Leaf <laughs> god from you know the nineteen seventies on this list today, on I, this esoteric list of whatever is today. It's like we don't care. <laughs> it's it's outrageous how much they think people yeah.
1: outside of Toronto care about that stuff. Like <laughs> And, and maybe some do, but like, I don't, I don't think, I think that they, they very much overestimate the, the, the this and I've, every day it's, it's, it's the Austin Matthews goal, goal counts counter. Like I've heard the yeah, name five
0: like, more times over the last three weeks than I've ever wanted to hear the name Rick vive <laughs> the, in my entire life. Also, how unimpressive is it that it's Rick vive? Yeah, seriously. You know? <laughs> like they're talking about this, like it's, it's it, Ovechkin
1: is at 44 goals this season right. and he's marching towards Gretzky. And we did hear a lot about it in the beginning part of the year, but, and then he beat, you know, he he got past Jager and, but it's, it's a very, very interesting how they're, how like this, this goal scoring Mm. season for Matthews is being painted as, as one of like the best individual seasons of all time. And, uh, I think someone tweeted that, you know, Gretzky was playing against Carpenters and, Mm. Like, oh, yeah, cigarette smokers. So, like, the fact that Matthews is doing this against the best athletes in the world just makes it even more impressive. These, these it's just these, these people are just out of their, out of their tree. And well, um,
0: Matthews, uh, he, I guess, was on pace to do like a 50 and 50, but I guess he didn't score against the Habs on Saturday. Is that, is that what happened? Cause he, cause I, if he had gotten it, we never would have heard the end of it. Oh, right?
1: yeah. I'm, I'm not even sure. I've been trying so hard to, I know. Me, me too. You know, like, it's, it's, yeah, he's a, <laughs> really really good player um that Lou Lamarillo drafted <laughs> like and I know he was like the consensus number one but like let's not forget that he, yeah. he drafted Marner and and Matthews and uh for them so uh it's 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 uh it's just insufferable at times and he's he's also in that same ilk of um players we talk about like the Marc-Andre Fleuries and mm. uh so forth that uh I don't find him all that interesting at all. No. I don't, I don't yeah. think he's, I think he's, he's basically a, what a prof- young professional athlete looks like in 2022. And is, yeah. he, I, I can tell you exactly if you, hey, hey, what, what do you think Austin Matthews is going to look like right now? He's walking off the bus to, to the Leafs game. Like I can probably get very close to exactly what he's going to look like. Um, I might not be able to get the colors right, but I can tell you exactly how close, cause that's how cliche, you know these guys are, and and instead it'll be, you know, quote tweeted and be like At least by a hundred because yeah. he's got a a mustache or something. But,
0: <laughs> yeah, I um, don't I don't find him particularly. I mean, there's so many guys in the league that I don't find. Particular. I mean, even McDavid, like I just don't find him particularly interesting as a person. I mean, he's awesome I'm on the ice, but I just yeah. I, I, the, but that's the thing. Like now, I mean, these are the stories, and then once the playoffs start, there'll be new stories, and so we're all yeah. kind of in that dead zone. Of, like, yeah. all right, hey, get these guys out of here already. Like, let's move on. And, you know, this, and it's like, what are they, are we jockeying for? And that, that was kind of why, really, more than anything, I was rooting for the islanders to make some noise was because we had heard so much that, oh, I guess the, the top eight in the east are all set. So, you know, we could just move on. And, and I just wanted the islanders to crash that party so badly yeah. just to shut everybody up for at least a little while, you know, even if they didn't make it, just to kind of like just scare everybody, give them a new story to talk about. Um, <sighs> it would have been nice. Never happened. It would have yeah, really been, been nice, but. Yeah. The
1: uh, yeah. It, <laughs> I mean, and the last thing I say about this, these teams is like the, the hope is that you know at the end of round one, these these you can then sit back and laugh at all, all the hype about yeah. you know Matthews' season and stuff, and because uh, the the kind of narrative going into the season was the regular season doesn't matter for the Leafs at all, mm. except people are treating like that it's like the exact opposite <laughs> that this is one of the most impressive things that they've ever seen and it's forgotten about what what happened last year when they just absolutely dominated that north division in the mm. regular season before losing to the the worst team in the playoffs by far that made it to the stanley cup somehow but right um yeah and then with i mean with the rangers it's it's just a completely different animal because it's like with the leafs it's you know this this team's gonna need to play wide open hockey and hope that jack campbell plays mm okay and, and they can maybe make some noise and with the rangers it's just a, a goaltender like that just really complicates everything as, as we've lived yeah. through with lundquist and that's that's giving me some some you know prsd some like post rangers <laughs> stress disorder or something <laughs> okay. because uh or some i should say plsd some post lundquist uh, stress disorder because it's um we, we we've seen the rangers get completely outplayed in playoff series and win them four one because they're goalie so yeah um that's that's the horrifying part
0: yeah And actually, and another thing the Rangers and the Leafs have in common is that, you know, we've heard the name Adam Graves a lot, too, because of uh, Chris Kreider's season. And that's another one. It's like, wait, Adam Graves? Really? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, he's 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 the guy. It's like, all right. I mean, you forget how how what a luxury it is have mike bossy on your teams all time (laughs) you know goal scoring list ryan brian trottier even like uh roman yossi's on you know on pace for 100 points or whatever He may have already done it and uh you know you're gonna start seeing a lot of lists with like dennis potman and you're like "Hmm, none of these other teams have a guy who did that huh the the crazy (laughs) thing was that yossi's uh, gonna maybe eclipse the predators all-time
1: record or he already did yeah and it's the the whole record holder is paul korea yeah
0: right yeah what (laughs)
1: Man, the, those couple years right after the lockout, yeah, there is, there right. is, there is a book to be written about that because, <laughs> you know, it, it, just thinking about like Jitnik and Chitan go from Buffalo to New York, like the the movement in that that first free agent right. frenzy was just because yeah, all of a sudden everybody
0: had to like cry. That's yeah. how Chris Chris Pronger ended up in Edmonton. Right. They had to just get rid of him because the Blues had you know their the cap was. Yet. Yeah. So yeah, there was a lot of movement there, but yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Paul Korea. And, and then that, that caused like the entire world to be like, right. Paul Korea played for the Predators. Holy shit. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, uh-huh. uh, and of course, speaking of Mike Bossy, uh, all the best to him in his uh, time right now. Uh, he's uh, struggling uh, obviously, and he is with his family. So uh, we're thinking about him as always. Uh, and uh, we hope uh, you know for the best. Uh, so that wraps this episode up. Uh, I don't think we're going to make the next three weeks any better for anybody, but, uh, we try, <laughs> but I mean, if you, if you were hoping we were, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. You, have obviously not been listening to us for very long. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, we're going to try and get to it on Monday, uh, probably during the day. Uh, if you have not yet listened to our last latest episode of weird Islanders, it was a conversation between me and Bob Dittmeyer, who was the AHL correspondent. Uh, covering the Capital District Islanders for a time in the '90s, also covered their uh, rivals up in the upstate area there, the Adirondack Red Wings and the um, uh, the Albany Choppers for a little bit of time. Check it out; it's a great ride down the uh, '90s rabbit hole. A lot of we talked about a lot of players, Graham Townsend. Greg Parks, even some guys like Kevin Sheffield Dayoff and Dean Schnauth. It was a great conversation. Thanks again to Bob for coming on. It was a lot of fun. Uh, So check that out. And uh, our next episode of Weird Islanders, which has already been booked, is going to be an all-timer, I promise you. So you just have to wait a couple weeks for that. Uh, Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Where can everybody read your work on Twitter, Michael Leboff? The Big Leboffsky with two E's. Sorry, I changed it up there. I always I never <laughs> follow right. Mike at the Big Lebowski uh, on Twitter. Uh, he's got a ton of stuff. I mean, are you guys ramping up like line change for the playoffs? Is there going to be like yeah. new episodes? Yeah, and with-
1: I'll, I'll be um, asking. I was asking a couple of people I work with who, who are uh, young know, sharp hockey minds what they think hmm. right now of,
0: of these Rangers and
1: matchups and maybe feel a little bit better, I'll say. But uh, <laughs> the EM.
0: Um, yeah. As what, as we what, always say, look where the betters are looking because that's yeah. where you want to
1: know. <laughs> like, w- w- one of them is a Caps fan, and he and he, he thinks that w- he's he's very hard on Washington too. I should note, but um, is thinks that they're better than people will be giving them credit for because they've just been in the same spot all season, and um, so it made me feel a little bit better if the Rangers yeah. play them.
0: I have to reluctantly give the Caps credit for for having a good season because had they lost one of those two games or both of those games and the Islanders gotten some points, they would have been hearing about it. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's another team that Islanders fans generally don't like, but you got to give credit where it's due sometimes. And they stepped up and they won a couple of games. So good on them. But yeah, check out line change. Uh, Mike's uh, hockey betting podcast. Check out the wonder goal as well. Uh, I saw Everton won a game. So congratulations. to them. Yeah,
1: that was because <laughs> Wednesday they, they lost to the team that's chasing them for relegation yeah. after being up two one at halftime. And, uh boy yeah it's it's my my friend eric and i who i was with yesterday were talking about he's he's a soccer fan not an everton fan and we're just saying that if if we we, people always say like oh, i wish there was relegation in america some american sports and stuff and we both were saying yeah it it sounded it sounded cool at the time but you know now that i'm living through it it's it's horrifying because you're truly at the edge uh (laughs) you know on the ledge and um if there was relegation we'd be the islanders would just be in like the third tier right now and Put, oh, be yeah. playing in front of like 650 fans at eisenhower park <laughs> or something uh, in in, in yeah. nhl league three or something playing against uh pine bluffs or something
0: yeah and they would have been there for 20 years like, yeah exactly there was, you know, and
1: stuff. and people would just be like oh this it, they, you should have seen the glory days this was a big club back then let me tell you like a truly big <laughs> club it's so right. it was so sad what happened to them and uh yeah so thank god that there's no relegation i know
0: I, i've like milbury man if he if,
1: he if there was relegation when mike milbury was around
0: whew. oh my god two two things i've never been in favor of mike uh well mike milbury it's a thing. <laughs> uh, but relegation and the abolition of the draft it was like oh, i'll get rid of the draft is not no 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 because <laughs> then my team will never have any players and they'll be like literally dudes from hopstra with skates you know the painter's tape on their skates trying to get out there and get some ice time. So no thanks. Anyway, <laughs> these are all stories for another time, uh, but we'll be back uh, next week. So uh, enjoy the week. Maybe the Islanders can, can pick up a few more wins here and, and keep, keep the lights on for a few more days uh, before they're eventually extinguished for the season. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.